The Watch is the latest and the greatest in pop culture from best friends Chris Ryan and Andy Greenwald. Join them as they discuss TV, movies, music, and much more. Check out The Watch on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car, Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. Listeners, welcome. This is Sound Only. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Mike. We're your sound-only co-hosts, here to record our deepest, darkest thoughts about a bunch of stuff. What we're reading, watching, listening, myriad topics this time, because we're in between certain concerns. I will say we are on the eve, as we record this, of the release, first of all, of Deathloop, which is like the game that got all the promo from the PS5 rollout. Only for me to find out that you could play it on PC too. It's not like a platform exclusive. Like it's, you can buy oh, it on I didn't Steam even know too. that. But yeah, I mean, like it's the the the, the really cool like seventies revivalist like espionage shoot first person shooter. Um, a lot like Returnal, like we've talked about before, but also nothing like Returnal. Yeah, I was gonna um, say, but, uh, yeah, more more nothing like Returnal than a lot more, like Returnal. more more like what was it? What was the name of that? That uh, do you remember the? Uh, massively. Well, it was like a team deathmatch sort of thing with characters that were animated similarly to the ones in Deathloop, but like the scout character like had a bat, and like that was your only Are weapon, you and then they Fortress? like had a heavy weapon. Yes, Team Fortress. That's okay. what it was. It's yes. gamer knowledge. Gamer. 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 <laughs> Gamers. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. I never played Team Fortress, but yeah, you're right. It's, there's something yeah, about the visual is, style, you're right. That's reminiscent of that. That the that visual style. grammar of 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 Team Fortress and Deathloop are similar. The pl- the gameplay, however, 
does not seem similar at all. Yeah. This is a Bethesda joint. I will say, so I, I almost forgot about, like, it's funny. I'm literally reporting as we speak. I'm reporting a story about the PlayStation 5 controller, right? About the haptic feedback in the controller. If you know, you know. If you own a PS5 and you've owned a PS4 previously and you know how that controller be vibrating... I've, I've talked if to you, people. If you also have, I know who, I know who killed Kennedy money, you know, and you, have, and you were able to get your if hands you get shipments. You get shipments. You get shipments. You got a 2025 Lamborghini truck too. I was going to say, know? if you got a PlayStation 5 and a Murcielago, you know what it is. That PS5 controller, boy. Um, I'm literally reporting a story about the PlayStation 5 and I had forgotten about Deathloop. Um, and then I saw I, this morning, I Googled, I was like, oh, it's the eve of the release. And I found this Ars Technica review. It is it just shouts out the reviewer. Um, the reviewer, Sam, I can't pronounce his last name, Makovich. And this guy is like, I feel like the general release week vibe around Deathloop is, oh, this game is good. And then this Ars Technica review, he's just like, fuck this game. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I don't bring it up to just be like, oh, there's this one negative review and let me like harp on it or something. I mean, we are, this is a podcast by and for haters, but like, come on, like, uh, you know what it is. There was something really, there was something really encouraging though, because I went, I read the piece, right? And he's just like, mm-hmm. this game, this is the worst Bethesda game in ages, uh, yada, yada. And I went to the comments, right? And there's a certain relationship, um, Critics have it a hard way these days, and game critics in particular. And I was expecting to go to comments and find a bunch of people shitting on this guy or something. And instead, I found a bunch of gamers having a very celebratory and nuanced conversation about how people are entitled to different opinions and how it's great that some people like this game and some people hate it. And isn't it isn't it cool to like you read you this? You I mean? saw this conversation happening way no, on the this internet. Sounds like, this sounds <laughs> on the internet on a gaming is nature gaming healing itself vertical. This is a, a gaming vertical. Was With having a perfectly delightful a comment section conversation about games criticism. Wow. 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 So, like, the future is no longer Gamergate? Yeah. Like, wow, I think that's we crazy. might be out of the woods. Allegedly. That's crazy. Allegedly. Allegedly. I, Allegedly. I bring all that up, we, though, to say that, like, I, I'm going to still play it. I still just drop the money. For the download, it's going to download tonight. Releases at twelve a.m. I'm gonna play this game. He said, we "Might he talk says, about it." He week. said, fifty nine ninety nine. I'll break a hundred for that." No, and I got PS Plus, so I got discount, bro. <laughs> Come on, <now. laughs> you know, I'll be playing Street Fighter. I gotta have the, you know, I gotta have a, the PlayStation Plus, baby. You know what to do. Um, can we talk? So here's the thing, listeners. Um, in recent days. I think part of the reason we were going to do sort of like a generalist episode today is because we've recommended stuff to each other. And in particular, I feel like the main sort of anchors here, the fact that Micah recommended to me (laughs) a show, a (laughs) miniseries on Netflix called Brand New Cherry Flavor, adapted (laughs) from the novel by Todd Grimson, starring Rosa Salazar, the titular Alita Battle Angel. And this also is the most disturbing thing, Mike. Yeah. This is, uh, is Mike and I be having conversations y'all don't know about. And yet, like, this is the most disturbing thing Micah has ever done <laughs> is get me to watch this show. And I like this show. No, nah, dog. You, yeah, it's just like this is this is coming from the same person who like just recommended Devil Man Crybaby to be off the rip. Like, you know, like this yeah, is I we, this is I like I was this is 
But what it, what we are trying to to the, the the point that we are trying to communicate is that our text messages are a very safe space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, but can you but, explain yeah, the show? Because like, I really want more people to watch this show. I would like this podcast to be the entry point for some significant number of people okay. to this show they might so have otherwise ignored. You, even knowing that it was like based off of a novel by Todd Grimson, it's like that's more information than I had off of it. Like there is a friend of mine who posted like a thing on Instagram, uh, create like this this friend of mine from high school who like I think works in film now you just kind of like this is the best thing I've, I've seen in like however long and i was just like you know it's i got time i'll, I'll check out an episode or two and then it was like five episodes later <laughs> um and brand new cherry flavor is basically rosa salazar is a young independent filmmaker attempting to get like a big hollywood producer to produce you know her magnum opus like the thing that she's been working on and move like she's, as she's moved throughout life and breakups etc this is her baby and the guy basically you know gives her the shake like in the in the old like you know hollywood sense of getting close telling her she's incredible and love bombing and then like Kind of First of all, Liz, having Liz like in LA once. You over here using this Hollywood lingo and shit to describe this. Go ahead. Yes, Michael lives in LA. That's right. Aye, dog. Like, anyway, <laughs> but she, but he basically is like having conversations that she's not present for. And eventually, you know, the movie's getting made without her really involved. Um, and she turns to how should I describe this? Like, just let's just say dark forces to get her movie back slash exact revenge. That's the concise yes. version of it. Uh, <laughs> like, um, now, this uh, the 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 longer version includes, um, like weird, like albino acolytes and like. The, the 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 most logical extreme of like the ideal of a cat lady that you've ever seen and also the Thank puking you. and the birthing cats. of cats yes like yes. it is literally it's 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 so disgusting and nonsensical and incredible <laughs> don't think it don't think i'm gonna look at it as a coincidence that you literally got a cat and then you you immediately recommend to me this disgusting cat vomit birthing witchcraft miniseries. Explain yourself. Listen, um, I already explained. I already told you. I, I like it. Listen, I already told you how I came across brand new cherry flavor. Why I stuck with it. Um, you know, I'm not I, like I can. I like I will neither confirm nor deny that it had to do with me adopting a kitten recently. I think. Yeah. That, you know, you should be like, the. I, I would feel like the more pressing question would be about like, you know, what is wrong with me? But like, you know, nothing honestly is the answer to that. I feel very judged yeah, right it, now on my own podcast for recommending you, a no, show that no, you no, enjoy to like, you. That's the thing. It's like, I find it really, I haven't finished yet. I feel I have a, a few more episodes left to go. It's super engrossing. Remember when we were talking about Candyman and we were talking about how, like, yes. look, with the original Candyman, Candyman's not 
scary. Or like the I, the premise is more scary than the movie itself, right? The idea of the 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 folk tale of like if you say Candyman, like that's scary. Right. If you learn that sure. just at a middle school with some shit, that's scary. Movie's not that scary. The movie is just kind of stressful and disconcerting and gross. I feel like that's what this is, right? A brand new cherry flavor is just it it makes me uncomfortable constantly. Yeah. <laughs> it's just stressful. Like even like there is there's a- there's long bouts of like uh the 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 main like with Rosa Salazar like just getting smacked by like this weird sort of curse numb dizziness thing that like and there'll there be long stretches of the show in fisheye where like the sound is muffled yeah. when she's sweating and like and it's just so anxious it's like it's just such an anxious experience but it's like then you come out on the other side of it and something weird and funny happens and then something gross and scary <laughs> you you describe it as fisheye I would describe it even more specifically as like the camera effect that a video game applies when you're at low health. You know what I mean? She has like the uh, low health camera effect know, for lots of the show. The low health, but it's like specifically the low health camera effect when you're when you've been poisoned. Because you know, like the screen yeah, pulsates. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta yeah, get yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. Um yeah, but yeah. yeah, like um brand new cherry flavor. I I do I do recommend it to to all the weirdos and freaks out there. Um and also, yeah, and the other thing too, about it, right? Dip your toes. Yeah, like it's, it's, it's one. Sorry, you're saying? No, it's just that one thing I'd note about it too is that, so we watched this on Netflix, right? And mm-hmm. I will, I will stress for people who are sort of wary of the Netflixification of everything, right? This feels way more like an acquisition than a production, if that makes sense, right? It feels very it almost, indie. It feels like the there's only six actors sh- in the whole thing. Yeah, the way that it's shot. Honestly, feels like one of those, you know, gimmicky feats of filmmaking, like shot on iPhone. You expect to pop up at the end of the first episode or whatever. Like it's there's very yeah. like a sense that the show was on YouTube first or something, and yet it's really, really, really well done. Yeah, uh, there is also, frankly, like a sex scene in this show. That is the most the romantic weirdest. and yet disconcerting thing I have ever seen in my <laughs> it entire is life. So, so it is it is so tender and like gross at the same time. Gross. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, and it's like the show in a nutshell, though. It's the yeah, show in a nutshell. Yeah. It's like the sex scene I'm thinking of, and then I think maybe the third time she pukes up a cat. Like, oh, we don't have to go into yeah, spoilers for this because we're trying to get yeah. people to watch it. No, the third time. I'm, I'm like, talking I feel about like we she's have surrounded by other people. Why she's like, because I mean, like, yeah. you can't just breeze past she was puking up cats. Like, I gotta, you gotta, like, I yeah, feel like she, I haven't nailed that right. down quite yet. The the, the, yeah, the, okay. the the dark forces that she turns to to exact revenge on the big Hollywood producer that, you know, swipes her movie out from under her nose is that she goes to a cat lady that actually happens to be like, you know, some ancient demon spirit thing or whatever. But like her payment for getting her revenge on this producer guy is that she has to puke up a cat every every time. Uh, like every day, like what is? I don't even know what the I frequency what the schedule. Of it is. I forget what the yeah <laughs> the birthing schedule for the. But cats like she, right, but multiple cats, she has to puke up in payment for this. Yes, 
Uh, and all those scenes are super gross and excruciating. The whole thing is just engrossing, but also and loud too. Yeah. Like yeah. it's like it's 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 detailed. Uh, watch brand new cherry flavor. Can we talk about the other thing? So in turn, uh, I was I was hanging out with my girlfriend all weekend, and we, my girlfriend was watching a show. This is credit to her for this, called Outer Banks, which is, apparently has a second season too. I thought this was new. I don't even know. I don't know when this came out. It's about both affluent and also broke, mostly white, but not entirely white people. Well, it's, no, it's this is a diverse cast. It's, We're doing diverse okay. casting in 2021. Is it? But is you know what really? I mean? It's a milieu. It's like a North they got, Carolina. Like a, like they do have, it is a milieu, but like a milieu in the sense of, I mean, like it is the... It's like the 2016 version of like on screen diversity because there's two white kids, one spicy white kid, and a black kid in the main. <laughs> spicy like, what's, white. What's, you call him spicy t- white. <laughs> I'm just saying. And then there's Barry. There's Barry. And then there's Barry. Barry. Barry out here fighting stereotypes is the. Uh, Man. <laughs> what it, what banks it, is like a is like some weird. <laughs> Social class Honestly, stratification drama about it is it is you know I've I've been watching like a similar one like at the same time uh, Reservation mm-hmm. Dogs uh, the the type oh of explain TV that people keep hour. talking text me about that yeah <clears throat> yeah so Reservation Dogs like is about this group of kids that live on a reservation and are, are effectively trying to steal their way off of it like. Uh, you know, they lift cars, they, you know, sell, they do, they do bake sales with the stolen cargo from the cars that they lift. You know, anything to scrape together enough money to get to California where life could possibly be different. So, you know, like initially, you know that the actual goal of the story is the development of these, of this group of teenagers and them like figuring out who they are, what they want. And like from the first couple of episodes, you just want to protect them because they're just so adorable and wonderful, but they're also like hilarious and always getting into trouble. But it's like the same sort of situation as like, um, outer banks, except, uh, it's like way funnier. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Outer banks is just some, Teen hygiene shit. Look again, I think low key, you know, Scooby Doo is more influential than it has any right to be. The best show's <laughs> got a little Scooby Doo in their DNA. These kids out here, in North Carolina and the Outer Banks, looking for gold. They just looking for gold. They run around looking for gold, doing Molly and whatever, whatnot. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> right underneath, right underneath a heist in terms of surefire like you know thematic you know like a as far as a through line for a for, for an on-screen project yeah a treasure hunt is right underneath that like yeah so, yeah like the first thing yeah. i did i got like a few episodes in you know what i did i logged into my playstation account and re-downloaded rise of the tomb raider <laughs> i was like oh <laughs> i missed this treasure hunt shit i was about like oh. i was i was about to like oh i was just like maybe i could play uncharted 4 again you know, this is like, yeah, that's the vibe, though. It's really the vibe. And I don't know. There's something apart from just liking, you know, a good teen treasure hunting thing. Right. Coming of age treasure hunting in the mid Atlantic South. Right. 
there's something about Outer Banks that feels so specifically regionally accurate, right? Like there's a scene a few episodes in where I'm watch I'm watching this this dad choke out, literally choke out this boy who's like all up in everybody's business and messing around with his daughter. And I just looked at that and I was like, yeah, that's how they make them, yeah, them that's white how Republican they do it. dads and, uh, in North yeah, Carolina. Yeah, it's just like, that's how they do it. Yeah, it's just, I was, like, I was, I was thinking the same thing. Like, there's also the, like, the scene, like, the entire nonchalance with which, like, this coastal town deals with the lead up uh, and like aftermath of a hurricane, like just the way that it, like it's just kind of like, damn, yeah. it's fuck. Like there is a group of people that is complaining about not being able to get on Instagram. There is a group of people <laughs> that are lining up to get gas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, like it's just like there's, it's it just you know lays bare the social strata of whatever the like whatever town you're talking about. Like the way that like, and I like the way that the show did that. Yeah, yeah, and again, I thought I I thought I would fall off it after a point, but that that shit is engrossing. I don't know. I needed some, I needed some trash tea. It's not trash, but you know what I mean. I needed it's the not kind tra- of TV like it is, that's but like, it is like it's not more prestige, soapy. It's just yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like exactly. it's soapy. Like it is, like you know, skins plus a treasure hunt, um, and in the American South. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I know the first thing you texted me immediately complaining about the black. I was just like, no, what did I yeah, I was just like, what did I say verbatim? Let me let me actually pull this shit up because I was so upset. Because the first scene, the first scene they're running from they're running from <clears throat> they're running from part or mall or something building security and he's the one that can't clear the fence. And I was just like thinking Oh, I said, it's already hard for me to accept that the black kid is unathletic. (laughs) Yeah, it is like all the black kids in this show have that, like, because they're on different sides of the social divide. You got the one black dude and then the mixed girl who are sort of the ruffians. Yeah. Yeah, And then on the other hand, you have the one black fratty like pre proto frat boy that, no that's the greek chorus Ooh. guy but he, yeah he was like he's just always like in the back like yeah with his little flat top and it's just like there's no <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> they have they but have the a thing man is, in all the three of them listen to tyler the creator you know what i mean they're all that kind of black kid <laughs> they just haven't really oh found God. each other <laughs> completely <laughs> oh, they man. all go find each other at an off future concert one day one day in the near future. Yeah. Well, um Yeah, I I mean <laughs> Let, we, let's take a we can, we can take a break. No, nah, yeah, we probably gotta take, take a break, break after that one. <laughs> yeah, we should talk about like books or something. I don't know. We should yeah, like, try maybe to we should more. talk about books, maybe some video games, other stuff that isn't TV. All right, bet. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports, I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA, I make calls, I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. 
The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, View its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Here's the thing. Nobody promised anybody listening to this podcast that anything would be like current. These are not, um, listen, I'm catching up on stuff. And books, right? Like books are, are harder to talk about. I'm not one of them YouTubers who's out here doing the whole, like, I read 10 books this month and these are the new releases, blah, 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 blah. I am behind everybody else in terms of reading. Uh, Mike, have you heard of the three-body the three body problem? Which is like both no. a trilogy of books, but also the first book in the series of the three books. Negative. What is that? This shit is so uh, super, super popular Chinese series author Xi Jin Liu. Um, it's like hard sci-fi, bro. And it's, it is, I don't know. It's one of those books that, you know what it was? I think this book had a moment because Obama read that shit. I think Obama put it on a reading list. You know what? Where's Shay? I think, I think it was like three body problem <laughs> and basketball and other things might've been on the same <laughs> list. <laughs> on the Obama's uh, list. We don't do Forbes list no more. We do Obama's list. Um, yeah, I think it was like shout, on one of the Obama shout lists. Shout out to Shay. <laughs> shout out to Shay and problem. also Obama. <laughs> <laughs> nah, not sure. I, I don't know if you're shouting out Obama, but we're shouting out Shay for sure. This is, uh, but yeah, continue. Um, Yeah, this shit is hard sci-fi and it's like, the book is kind of creatively all over the place, right? Like in the beginning, you're just kind of reading this, uh, you're reading an account of the cultural revolution in China, right? And there's like a really lengthy account of a struggle session in the beginning of the book. It's like, damn, is this historical fiction? But then you get these hints of hard sci-fi, you of, of sort of um, like Cold War era computer programming. And then you get to present day in this book. And this book 
is in a, in a really abrupt way that I found really ballsy and amazing and is when I got sucked into the book is when you realize that the book is about people trying to make contact with aliens. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like the rest of the book you're just reading about. You're reading about humanity's first contact with this alien race by way uh, in their, their first contact sort of in the structure of how the book is laid out at least you're kind of slid into the idea of this alien race actually existing by way of a video game that is kind of a simulation of that alien race that's trying to explain to you their whole deal, that they're like trapped on a planet that is actually not that hospitable and they're trying to find another planet that they can go and like kind of annex. And then the, and the, and the, and the aliens, and then the aliens, they're like, okay, we we gonna roll through. Y'all keep sending these signals. Y'all go fuck around and find out. Others. Is that what Zone of the Listen, Enders is like? What I don't know anything about. I'm, Zone I'm pretty, of the yeah, like it's like it's it's. Uh, <clears throat> I I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that like the this well, it's more of like a literal literalization of what video games or first person shooters might do to the youth, like. You know the conspiracy theory of like there or not really conspiracy or whatever like of there oh, being no, where like Call of this? Duty or first shooters being like first person shooters being like recruiting places that like that's not a conspiracy theory, brother. That's the truth. I mean, you, do you not see those ads for the army on I'm not Twitch? Say, like, I mean, like I'm not <laughs> saying like it is okay. Sorry, conspiracy theory wasn't the right word to use because I mean. Every branch of the military like recruits from first person shoot like the pool of first person shooters, sort of lightly, whatever, you know what I'm talking about? I like Ender's yeah, Game, I the think. The marketing, yeah. Yeah, like that's the marketing for autumn so, games is super it feels integrated super, with the US Army. Yeah. You know, like, you know, one nation under they have okay, so like Ender's game is basically like what if like teasing that idea out to instead of we're recruiting from people that play first person shooters or marketing to people that play first person shooters. What if the first person shooters themselves were sneakily like the controls to actual drones that are in fact wiping out a native population elsewhere? Damn. I mean, that's, well, that's real. <laughs> Yeah, realize, man, realize, crazy. realize, I, like realize, 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 dog. And I mean, the, like you know, I, if I if I mess it up, emails, I am piecing it together from like having read it like when I was twelve. But you know, like, yeah, sounds like that. Yeah, the video game element in Three Body Problem is a lot more incidental and weird to the plot. Um, again, though, like. Even knowing Obama read this and recommended it to millions of people, I feel like I, look now I'm recommending it. Okay, now it's however many years later, and I'm recommending it. This the book threw me for a loop. You know what I mean? You know what it was? It was when I went camping in California during um, earlier in the summer, right? And it was like allegedly the required reading of this camping trip. And I actually took I'm the only person who took it. Other people had already read it on the trip that I went on, and I was reading. I was finishing it in like a tent, while you know being menaced by bears. In California. Um, yeah. And, and I'm like reading the second book. The second book is called The Dark Forest. Off rip, it has the problem of like, I think they got the same, tr like the translation of Three Body Problem, the English translation is super good. 
And the translation for the third book is the same as the first book, but the second book got a different translator and it it shows because it just doesn't, it doesn't flow the same way. And I'm having a harder time sticking with it, uh, both because of that and also because I lost my iPad while moving to Wisconsin. So like, and I, I was reading on an iPad. My whole life Damn, is messed dog. up. RIP. Yeah, it was a tragedy. What was the question? Yeah, I feel like definitely there are people who listen to this <laughs> podcast, by the way, who are into Three Body Problem. Please email me about it because uh, it's like it's it's also the kind of book that it's impossible to not want to talk with people about it once you read it. It's just so confidently bizarre. Um, and yeah, it's it's also the kind of thing, right, where it's like that kind of sci-fi is usually not my cup of tea at all. Like, I'm actually really curious about the fact that the book is as big as it is just because... Uh, I feel like it's only certain sub subsets of readers who give that kind of sci-fi a chance. And it's otherwise the kind of book that I don't feel like I would have given a chance, but I don't know. It's really good. I don't know. What else? Um, uh, if we talk about what we're listening to, can I admit I'm still listening to Donda? I'm, I, I think I'm right. I think that I'm growing on me. I'm saying it through sure. teeth. You know, Stuff you're, I you're, edit you're, this you're, out. You're, I don't know. You could do that if you want. You know what it is? I was talking to Sam Donsky about it, and he was like, the Carter Five is better than Certified Lover Boy. <laughs> I was like, all right, man. <laughs> but then I, w- I was in the woods. I actually went hiking um, on Saturday, and I was just listening to Carter Five again in the woods. I was like, damn, he kind of right, though. Like, uh. But then after that, I just went back to Donda. Um, I don't um, know, man. I, I feel like... have been listening to... Robin season two by Iceware Vezo. And Woo! I've also been listening to the new King Cool live album, You Heat Me Up, You Cool Me Down. Like heavy. Talk about um, it. This past Tell weekend. me about it. Tell uh, me about it. Basically, it's just like a lot. It's just a live King Cool album. Like it's also, there used to be, like on the first King Cool EP, there was a song called Rock Bottom that is honestly one of my favorite songs of all time, but there was nowhere to like stream it. And I have like a physical seven inch of it. Like, and like, it's the only time that I can regularly listen to it, you know, legally without like it being like a, you know, version of the song that you downloaded. But like the Spotify version is a live version of the record. It's like the first version of the song that's like on, you know, your preferred digital streaming platform. But, like there are a lot of live performances of records from the ooze from uh what was the what was the latest i mean like there's also stuff from six feet beneath the moon basically from all it's just the live show um and it's it sounds massive and great and honestly probably gonna end up being my most my second most listened to live rock record behind live at reading by nirvana because i am cliche like that um well you're not cliche you just got you got taste come on now come on now brother there's also (laughs) okay so in terms of what i've been reading though um i've been reading pleasure activism by adrian marie brown um also, the anime machine. Have you ever read that uh, by uh, Thomas Amar? It's basically no. just like uh, it's it's the the subtitle is a media theory of animation. But like, I was basically 
like getting frustrated with not having the language to describe animation beyond expensive <laughs> um, or yeah. like with more technical turns. Like, and this is a good book to like piece together the history that we talk about, honestly, on this podcast about how like the, the conversation between Eastern and Western animation. And also just like, it's a good collection of like technical terms in a way that feels like conversational. Like, I don't feel like I'm being like, I don't feel like I'm being talked at when I'm reading it. Um, Wait, what's the name? What's the name and the author again? The anime machine, a uh, media theory of animation. Oh, okay. It's by uh, okay. Thomas Lamar. Um, let's see. What else am I reading? You know what you got to uh, get in that spirit? You got to get the anime encyclopedia, bro. I'm telling you. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I, I love reading books with animation. Uh, you anime, Yes, yeah, the anime encyclopedia. I think it's like third edition. Helen McCarthy. Helen McCarthy. Um, I know I listened to an interview with her recently on Anime World Order, but she's super duper duper like chronicling like all the way back to the, the very first sort of formation of Western fandom of anime. Um, but I know, I'm, the anime encyclopedia is just like a good reference, but it also has good writing in it. That's sort of in the spirit mm -hmm. of what you're saying, right? Of like developing a language for talking about animation. Yeah. Um, well, let's check that out. Uh, also, though, I have um, been reading uh, Mashal. Have you, have, did I tell you about mm, this? No, but it's another, like, it's Hold a biz out. media sort of, like, kind of uh, show manga, but it's about, like, this, it's basically, like, turning, like, Harry Potter inside out and then spinning it on its head. Um, because you explain there's, more. Yeah. basically, like, there is this, accepting that there is this magical world and, people are born into this world with magical abilities and without. And those born without them are the untouchables, like the lowest caste. Um, and the people that are born with magical abilities are identified by literally, you know, the, like the, the lightning scar on Harry Potter's head? That's what everybody yeah. has underneath their eye. Like it's a mark underneath your eye and the length of it is determines how powerful you are. Also the number of the lines determine how powerful you are. And the main character um, is like, seems to be the most powerful by dint of not respecting the logic of the, of, of this magical world. And also just by being incredibly strong and dedicated. Um, so like, there's a lot of instances where people like have these big speeches about like where they learn this technique from and this like it's sort of like the same thing as like one punch man yeah yeah but like there's also a bit of like it's it's a similar it's just actually it's very similar to one punch man and like kind of exploring what this world might actually look like and what the like what the relationships between people with magical abilities and without them might look like, how the world might function, et cetera. In the same way that like there's a superhero association. Okay, then what do they do with the superhero association? What what are superheroes like in a world that, you know, has a, you know, government sanctioned superhero program? 
or that has rankings? How does that affect like how um, good deeds actually get done? Is something that One Punch Man considers, and like Mashal kind of like considers things in a similar magic in a similar way. Okay, okay, I bet. Um, damn, you know, I thought of you like right before, like maybe a couple hours before we started recording because I saw that trailer for Hawkeye, by the way. You got to tell people in advance. We talk about Hawkeye. It's the new I, Marvel thing. I didn't thing. even see the It's trailer, a whole series, but, too. He, yeah. he, I thought about it not. I thought about it because it's the Christmas angle on it, right? Like, it's Hawkeye and it's Christmas. And somehow the fact that it's Christmas is the whole vibe of this Hawkeye series that Marvel because is doing. The way that the, because, because the way that the first, the, like, the, 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 the last Avengers movie started was, was, was with his family disappearing. That was like, yeah. hey... Emotional stakes, guys. Yeah. Uh, all of his children and his wife are gone. And then, you know, like they come back in the movie after he's gone full um, motorbike restorer uh, with the with the wild haircut and the, and the sleeve of tattoos he downloaded. Yeah. I just got some diehard vibes from it. And that's where I was like, oh, Mike is going to be annoying. But his diehard is a Christmas movie ask. We'll talk about it eventually. I yeah, suppose. bro, we we probably gonna um, talk about it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's that's everything I got. Like I said, I'm missing an iPad. Oh, so I can't also even reading Dark Forest. What we got? Um, I'm still looking for Chainsaw also, Man volumes in this I've, economy. I have been playing the Peach Joe Biden uh, for this shit. The Last Guardian, also. Um, oh yeah, okay. What do you think of the Last Guardian? Because yeah. I feel like people didn't like that as okay. Here. People didn't like it as much as Shadow, as Shadow of the Colossus, or as like as or as much as like Eco before that, or whatever. Yeah. Like it's, but when I tell you that it is so wonderful, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it's, dog, it is, yes. it is, it is, it is such a gentle and wonderful game. Like I mean, because I mean, like it's 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 basically the way that you play through the game is like the same thing as like with Shadow of the Colossus Eco where like it the the game is narrated by this omniscient third person voice like an old man telling the story of his youth is what it sounds like and you and the kid is like the old man that's narrating it feels like but you start the game like in a dungeon you wake up in this in this hole in the ground with this giant mythical man-eating griffin creature that shoots lightning from its tail. But it's chained up and it has spears like in its shoulder and its leg. So the first half of an hour, the first half hour of this game is just you ingratiating yourself to this giant man-eating monster. And then once you feed him and take the spears out and take the collar off, the two of you go wandering around ruins together. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like yes. a, in a in a beautiful setting. I mean, I was texting like uh, a friend of uh, my, uh, my friend Alex, uh, uh, who honestly I got I talk about him a lot on this podcast as he works in um, graphic design and also illustration and animation. So, um, and he's the one who recommended the the anime machine to me. But I was texting, him, I was just kind of like, "Yo, the Last Guardian." Is going to cure my depression because you know why? It's exactly like 
imagine just like ambling over like the sun-drenched ruins of like fucking Machu Picchu or something with a kitten in your shirt. Except the kitten is <laughs> yes. a giant <laughs> man-eating griffin that shoots lightning from its tail. <laughs> yes. Yes. And you know what it was? If if I'm remembering correctly the review cycle for that game, I think a large part of maybe what was going on with sort of the relatively kind of like, it's good reception that game got is that a lot of people had problems with the AI for your companion. And the camera sticks you, a lot. Like, yeah, like yeah, it's, it's, it's camera, difficult right, because the AI and the camera. like you like there's really only like a few, but like it's not, but like the game feels less like you are like actively moving it along rather like you it doesn't feel like you can change the course of the game that much you're just kind of prompting your character to move so like if you have to call Trico yeah. to follow you you yeah. might have to wait a while because he's got to figure out how to get to where you're at because he's a giant thing <laughs> and I sometimes when he shows up in like the same kind... room as you it's like it's difficult to see where you're supposed to like you get the shield that reflects light and if you shine the light on the wall he'll shoot his the lightning out of his tail at wherever that is but it's difficult to angle when you can't see around him to where you know the the, the broken wall is or wherever it is that you're supposed to get out of the room or whatever the camera sticks a lot yeah i i that i definitely get but i think that kind of gets balanced out in the experience of the game because it's kind of supposed to feel like dealing with a pet and the fact yeah. that it's an oversized pet. Like, it's not supposed to be one to one. You're not supposed to be like issuing commands. It's more like you're issuing suggestions <laughs> and having to work with the limitations of. It's literally a like, giant ha- pet. yeah, it is, a- it is exactly like having like a, a, a new pet. Like, you, like, it's, it's like you got to learn each other. I think the um, other thing too is that I ha- actually had a really frustrating time playing Shadow of the Colossus because I f- I found that like a lot of I I thought that game was a lot although I only well, played the remaster. Well, your horse is a coward in that game. Yeah, like but, the, like it's it's that like Shadow of the Colossus is annoying because searching for the Colossuses or Colossi or what, yeah, how, whatever the plural the that is is annoying. Yeah. Um, and anytime that you are in the heat of rock climbing with one of these giant beasts uh like and you need to like you get flung off or whatever yeah like you yeah. die instantly and then like if you get flung off and you got to call your horse to catch up to it again the horse is like nah i'm not getting close to that you're on your own <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just i felt like there were way more times in shadow of the Colossus where it felt like the programming was fucking me than in the last guardian the last guardian yeah, I don't know. For whatever reason, I was able to rationalize the fact that you you kind of got to wait around for stuff. Probably because you played Shadow of the Colossus beforehand. Like it's like one of those you need to be in the mood and also yeah. to have like. Hold on one second. Sorry. It's one of those games where you kind of like need to have Japan studio brain. Like it's just like you you already know how this is gonna go because you've played 
the previous two games. Like, I think that you can't, like, you have to, like, you can't discount that when, like, in, in, when you're talking about, like, oh, like, The Last Guardian works for the reasons this game didn't. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I don't know. I think that's all I got. The last thing I'll say is, like, uh, Look, I've been learning C++ and like writing a ray tracer and like trying to understand basics of video game design. And this has meant that I've spent the last, I don't want to reveal how many months on weekends learning math that I really probably should have learned in 12th grade or probably should have been failed out of 12th grade for not learning <laughs> properly the first time around. Please, if any of our listeners, if any of our <laughs> listeners know, want to help me with vector math and understanding why we as humans need to use so many different kinds of fucking triangle to understand circles and spheres, please email us at soundonlypod at gmail.com. <laughs> I am overwhelmed and exhausted. Can't oh you hear the God. desperation in his voice? Oh, I'm sick of this shit. Uh, help C my brother minus, out, man. Circle minus ray direction. Anyway, um, that's all I have, Micah. Yeah, I mean, um, oh, I've also been watching Why the Last Man, or been watching the, the first three episodes aired like last night. Um, oh, bet. okay. Yeah, if you if you've read uh, Brian K. Vaughn's uh, comic and would like to talk about it, or if you have some thoughts Wait, about the show, email what's us the well, other Brian yeah. K. Vaughn stuff? What's the other Brian Vaughn stuff? Saga. You're thinking about oh, Saga. Oh, right, right. Saga okay. is okay. the... And Saga is Krennic, uh, if you haven't <laughs> read it yet. You should you should absolutely get on that immediately. Bet. Um, um, but also, the, 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 the first, like, Brian, or previous, or the breakthrough before the breakthrough uh, solo Brian K. Vaughn work was Why the Last Man. It started in 2015, but it has been adapted to series on FX after so many mishaps and, you know, like the project changing hands and actors coming on and off the project. But it's the first three episodes are out. I mean, like, it's cool. I'm, I'm kind of enjoying it. So, I mean, like, if you're watching it also and would like to talk about it, hit me up, man. Hit us up yeah. at soundonlypod at gmail.com. That's right. Uh, I am Justin Charity. And I'm Micah Peters. And, yeah, I guess that's everything. Shouts out to our producer, Stefan Anderson. We will see y'all next week. Maybe we'll talk about Deathloop. Maybe we'll talk about something else. There's a lot of stuff happening. We'll see y'all. Bye. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.